Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Bears Nation Podcast. Powered by OnTap Sports Network. Football. You like to play football? Football, of course. It's a football game. Can we watch, Daddy? Bears Nation. It's training camp. I think we're in a good spot right now. You know, the Chicago Bear way is to run the football, stop the run. The biggest thing we need to do is be more consistent. I got this report from Chicago. If you're at training camp, you see the chemistry him and Justin have built. You got to be excited for what the season is going to look like. I'd like one ticket to Chicago. Chicago! When does it happen? It's the Bears Nation podcast. We've got to get through to Chicago. Here's your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Fit right into the hits principle. They're talented. It's Bears Nation, baby. Let's go. Welcome in. It is Wednesday, August 9th. It is indeed Bears Nation podcast. The final episode before we have games. Kevin, before we have games, it's finally here. We are actually starting next week, going to have actual game action, actual stats, actual performances to break down for you guys. But as I said, this is Bears Nation podcast. Myself, Jake Hassan, joined as always by Kevin Lapka and brought to you as always by ONTAP Sportsnet. Go to ONTAP Sportsnet. For all things Cubs, they're pretty good right now. White Sox, they're really bad right now, but I digress. The Bears, as the season starts to get underway. And Bulls and Blackhawks, because they got you covered for that even during the offseason. So go to ONTAP Sportsnet for everything Chicago sports, including this podcast that you're listening to or viewing right now. But Kevin, it's here. We are here. This is the last week that we will not be talking about actual plays on the field. Feels good. We're back. Meaningless football. We're back. I've never wanted meaningless football more. I, I if it, even if it's one drive of the first team offense, I'm sniffing for it. I'm itching <laughs> for it, and uh, and I will be watching. I will be watching um, right before you Shocking. go on the air. So maybe we'll be together actually watching that game if you show up to the studio a little bit early. So that'll be fun. But yeah, man, it's finally here. Uh, we have a depth chart to break down today, yep. which uh, not a ton of surprises on there. We have a little bit more uh, of insights from training camp, some more news and notes to head on, but. It feels good that that first preseason game is finally here because once this happens, it always feels like once that first preseason game happens, it's like an acceleration into the regular season. Like the preseason is just a blur. Like those three games go by so fast. And then before you know it, we're breaking down Bears Packers week one. So we're here, man. Let's do it. Yeah, we are here. And should we start with the depth chart, Kevin? Is that what we should do? I think that's what we should do. I I think think that's that's a fair, proper way to start a football podcast at this time of the year. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I mean, Kevin, anything for you that stood out? I mean, I know that you said in your opening statement, there wasn't a ton of surprises. Everything was basically chalk, but anything that you picked out or when you first read this, that you were like, okay, that's a little bit interesting. Yeah. A few, a few notes that stuck out to me initially, uh, you know, let, let's start at running back, right? Let's go to, I guess you could say the most quote unquote competitive positional battle in this 
training camp in 2023. Typically, there's so many more positional battles that happen throughout a roster. But with the Bears, you don't really look at a ton throughout both the offense and the defense. You pretty much know who the ones are and who the twos are. Even at the offensive line position, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's not a lot of competition there. Defensive front, I guess you have a little bit of competition between Gervon Dexter and Justin Jones, Zach Pickens, Andrew Billings, right? I guess you could argue that. But really, it's been running back, right? Who's going to take the first snap? Who's going to get a majority of the snaps at running back? Will it be Khalil Herbert? Will it be Deonta Foreman? When will... Roshan Johnson get into the mix there. Um, and we heard a lot from training camp thus far that, hey, Deontay Foreman's playing really well. He might be a better pass blocker. He's showing up. This is a veteran player who we talked about last week, uh, you know, played really well in the absence of Christian McCaffrey once he was traded from the Panthers, a guy who was up near 900 yards and eight touchdowns and, and producing at, you know, an RB10 from a fantasy standpoint running back in this league. We thought, or me, I thought he would be RB1 once this depth chart was released and it's still Khalil Herbert. And again, like that's the type of thing where you also have to think about, okay, it's just depth chart. He's been here longer. He's the veteran player on the team, meaning he's been with the Chicago Bears longer, though he hasn't been in the league as long as Deontay Foreman. So they might, you know, sort of give him the upper hand for that, maybe because he knows the offense a little bit better and those types of things. But you know, for, for now, from what we know, it's relevant that at this moment, Clue Herbert is your RB1, and he's going to be trotting out there with the first-team offense once they go out, uh, you know, with the with the unit on Saturday and maybe even week one against Green Bay. We'll see what happens. We'll see how this unfolds throughout the preseason. Uh, but the other takeaway is that, you know, now Deontay Foreman as quote-unquote RB2 might get more reps, even though there are five running backs on the roster right now with Tristan Abner, Travis Homer, and Roshan Johnson. I guess if you want, if you really want to look at the depth chart and find another interesting thing about the running backs, Roshan Johnson's RB5. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means anything. If you want to just throw it up to the fact that he's a rookie who needs development and didn't get a lot of playing time in college. But Travis Homer above Roshan Johnson in the depth chart? Jake, are you, are you taking anything away from that? Not really. I mean, I think it's to be expected just because he's a rookie. I know he's a rookie with a lot of hype right now, but I expect that to change after this game. Like immediately after this game, I'm expecting him to at least move up, you know, one. And I think, you know, I, I think the chat is right. I think Shane McCoy in the chat is right. I thought Wait, I saw they? Rashad Johnson got moved up to RB3. I'm almost positive. Okay, because the, the, the initial photo that was released like two days ago, he is uh, he is RB5, but they might have updated it. I'll, che- I'll double-check that. Um, yeah, okay, so ESPN yeah, we do, we have, yeah, has we do, it as RB3. We have an updated one. Yeah, okay. we do have an updated one. My apologies. Uh, where where uh, Roshan Johnson is number three. So, But still, like, I, I think that's about right. Uh, it's just as far as running backs go, just cause like Tristan Ebner, I mean, you are famously not a big Tristan Ebner guy. Yeah. And as far as Travis Homer goes, his role on this offense, I know they like paid him money, but I mean, it wasn't a lot of money that he was here to be a special teams guy. And what this says to me is that because what we've heard at least so far is that Valus Jones Jr. actually looks a lot better and a lot more comfortable returning punts and kicks. Uh, I think there was a quote yesterday or the day before from the special teams coach of the Bears that, oh, he's tracking the ball now. Like he, he has a better feel for how the ball leaves the punter's foot or how it leaves the kicker's foot. And so I am going to say something here that I think Travis Homer is probably not long for this roster. 
Like I know they paid him money and I know they gave him a contract, but again, it wasn't a lot of money. They're not tied to him, you know, in a huge financial commitment. So I get the feeling that Travis Homer is not long for this roster. Maybe it's one game. Maybe it's all the preseason. Maybe he gets to the practice squad. But from everything that we've heard, Valus Jones Jr. has improved dramatically as a returner, and which which is great, which you want to see, which is what we were hoping for. He was your third-round pick a year ago and obviously didn't have the best rookie year, and you were hoping for a jump and for a reason to keep him on this roster. At least so far, it looks like for now he has kind of – I don't want to, like, it's not even the first preseason game. I'm not going to say that he's won that job. But it looks like he's at least secured himself a little bit bigger role and a longer look there. Because when Travis Homer was first signed, it was like, okay, like, Valus is in trouble. And I think you said on this show, like, yeah, Valus Jones Jr. gets cut next year now because you have a guy who actually has experience doing this and doing it pretty well. Now Valus Jones Jr. might be in trouble. Everything that we've heard so far, or at least this week and in the last couple of days, and we'll see what happens uh, you know, over the weekend on Saturday. But it early indications are that Valus Jones Jr. is on track to be your punt returner and kick returner. And I mean, on this depth chart, he is listed as the primary kick and punt returner. So as far as that guy, I, I know we just went down this rabbit hole of Valus Jones Jr. and the punt and kick return. No, this is a good rabbit but, hole to go down. But I mean, this is I, I mean, this is the biggest uh you know, this is the biggest thing. Like this is, I mean, this is how we got there, the biggest jump. And and, I mean, hopefully this means that Vegas Jones Jr. will be involved going forward and maybe even more in the offense as well. Yeah, no, I mean, so I had Herbert written down and then right after Herbert was Vegas Jones Jr. I mean, this is, this is interesting to me. Um, You know, I I was reflecting on Vegas Jones Jr. because one of my coworkers, Connor O'Donnell, shout out to him, is like a Vegas Jones truther. Like he just like refuses he he refuses to believe that he's not good he's all in on Valentino Jr. He's like the only one and I'm like all right what what do you see in this guy that I don't so I kind of went back and looked at some of his stats um, as a returner because at this point it's interesting to look at the receivers on the roster and when you look at the depth that they now have at the receiver position after the trade with DJ Moore and after re-signing Dante Pettis and keeping Equinemius St. Brown around and drafting Tyler Scott there's going to be an odd man out. And it's either probably Dante yeah. Pettis or Vela Jones Jr. So if Vela Jones Jr. wants to make this roster, he's going to have to do it as a kick returner. So I went back and I looked at, well, you know, I do remember a couple of splash plays from Velas as a kick returner. He had the muffed punts, but what can he do as a sole kick returner return of kickoffs? So he was second in the NFL last year in 40-plus yard returns with four. He had no fumbles on kick returns. 20 of his 22 returns on the year were of 20-plus yards, which is second. Fifth best average return yards amongst kick returns with at least 10 returns. So this is a guy who can produce pretty well as a kick returner. has the potential yeah. to be a pretty solid returner overall if, like you mentioned, if he can hone those skills as a punt returner and not cause critical errors that will lose you, uh, lose you games late like they did last year. And I think because of that, he is going to probably end up making the roster over Dante Pettis. And the reason why it's down to those two is because last year the Bears carried six receivers. So if you count it out, you got one in DJ Moore, two in Darnell Mooney, three in Chase Claypool, four in Economia St. Brown, five in Tyler Scott. And that sixth guy, you would imagine, is Vela Strong Jr. And even if he's not getting a ton of reps, right? Because at this point, Jake, I don't even think it's outlandish to say that I'd rather have Dante Pettis as a receiving option because he had a pretty good connection with Justin Fields. He caught a couple of nice touchdowns. 
He was targeting him in certain situations. He's been here. I, I, I wouldn't mind him as a receiving option, but when it's wide receiver six and you're not going to get more than probably like 15 receptions on the year anyway, then at that point you look for other reasons to keep a player on the roster. And if Vela Jones Jr. can each and every time he touches the football on a return, give you the possibility to get 30, 40 yards and put your team in a favorable position, that is worth holding on to as a roster spot. So I was intrigued by the fact that we're hearing good things from Bayless Jones Jr. and that he is listed as both kick returner one and part returner one. And there's no you know ambiguity there. There's no Tyler Scott, Dante Pettis, Kalu Herbert. Like sure. he is the guy there and they're they're going forward with it. So well, the thing for me here, and I think actually that if you look at this updated depth chart from late yesterday, I would say that just looking at this, Velas Jones Jr. actually has one of the more secure spots on really? the roster because, well, because look at it this way. Like you read DJ Moore as wide receiver one, right? So mm-hmm. DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool are listed as your three starting wide receivers, which is expected chalk, whatever. But directly to the right, of DJ Moore is Velas Jones Jr. And then it goes Equinomia St. Brown and then Tyler Scott. And then it's Dante Pettis. And that's Tyler Scott again, which is kind of weird, but that whatever. Disregard that then. And then <laughs> it's, so whatever. Dante Pettis and then Darice Fountain and then Isaiah Ford and then Sybil Webster. Mm. So it, to me, just reading this and how this is laid out, Velas Jones Jr. is ahead of everybody that we named right now. And to me, this seems like, okay, Dante Pettis, Simba Webster, and Darius Fountain are the guys on the bubble here, right? Or am I crazy? Like, does that make sense? No, you're not crazy. I I understand the way you read that because, you know, if you're kind of visualizing the depth chart, he is theoretically, by the way you're reading it, wide receiver four. If you're going one, two, three. Like first wide receiver off the bench, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then off the second column, one, two, three. Yes, yes, 100% that makes sense. And, like, honestly, uh, the more that we're talking through this – like I don't, I don't want to get optimistic about Vela Jr. Like I, I'm not gonna sure, right. do what I did last year and try to say that <laughs> we he's, did that a couple times. Yeah, we did that a couple times, and it was bad. But like at that point, there was no one else on the roster right. at wide right receiver to like believe that one of them was gonna make a difference and, and figure things out for the offense. But if you're Luke Getzey and you're Eberflus and you're Pulse, you look at at least what he can do for you. He can be a dynamic playmaker in situations for you. He was last year. He caught a couple deep balls. He caught a couple, or he he received a couple uh, end arounds that turned into touchdowns for you in the red zone. Like there's things you can do with him that are intriguing, and I think they still look at him as sort of their toy, sort of their gadget guy that they can use and dispose in certain situations that teams won't really know about coming off the bench. So the more we talk through it, the more I think Vela Jr. You're probably right. Is it has a pretty secure spot on this team. Uh, it just didn't appear that way initially because, you know, is he expensable? I mean, I, I don't know. It's- well, well, the thing is, if we think that he's going to be your primary kick and punt returner, then the answer is no. Like, he's not expendable. you you got to keep him. Yeah. So I, I think that right. alone, and that's kind of what my bigger point was uh, when we started this conversation, is that if everything is to be believed, the coaches are saying he's better at tracking the ball and that he's better at catching the ball and receiving the ball and then getting off from there then that entrenches a spot for him. Like he, he's not expendable in that point. He's going to stick as, even if it says the last wide receiver, because here's the thing with Vegas Jr. I think that Dante Pettis got such a big role in a connection with Justin Fields because of the way that Vegas Jones Jr. Flopped as a receiver and because they kept him hidden away on the bench. So theoretically, and what's important too, is that Dante Pettis came off the non-football injury list today. 
Like he just got activated. Like he's playing catch point. up with everybody now. So point. this is going to be a big litmus test on Saturday for where Dante Pettis is, where Valus Jones Jr. is, and where some of these other receivers that are hoping to hang on to one more roster spot is. I think Valus Jones Jr. is among one of the most secure. Like, if I like, obviously you have the three starters. Okay, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney. They're not going anywhere. But if you want to take this next group of Valus Jones Jr., EQ St. Brown, Tyler Scott's not going anywhere either because they just drafted him this year. So Valus, EQ St. Brown, Dante Pettis, Simba Webster. Let's just go with those four. I think Valus Jones Jr. is the number one most likely to stick around. I mean, among those four, probably. Right. I, yeah. I, I would agree. Right. But let me pitch this scenario to you. Right. Let me just let me just pitch this scenario to you. Right. Because if, if we are really, you know, dead set here on the idea that his roster security is primarily because of his abilities as a returner. Let me throw out this scenario, a hypothetical scenario for you on Saturday. Bayless Jones Jr. is the kick return to start the game. Uh, Dante Pettis plays majority of the snaps or not majority, but he plays good. He plays two quarters, which I think would be fair for a guy like him. Dante Pettis scores a touchdown, has like 60 yards, looks good. Bayless Jones Jr. does nothing as receiver and fumbles a return. Like in that scenario, because I think the way Eberflus and Poles want to run this football team, they don't seem like – like they're, they're nice guys, but I don't think they're ones to give second chances. Like if you are playing sure. air football – like they did that last year. He made a couple errors, and he was pulled from, yep. from that role. He was, he was gone. Yep. And at this point, if it's year two and you've been working on things and here we are in a game situation, you do it again – the leash isn't isn't long in that scenario. He might get cut if he falters in this preseason game. So as of now, as of today, August 9th, Wednesday, four, three days before the game, he might have roster security. But if he fumbles and he makes a mistake in that preseason game, I, that, there's a larger conversation to be had, although sure. there's not a real, true, great, viable option behind him. But this right. team, I think, is built off the premise of, hey, we're not going to make mistakes, right? That goes back to the whole limiting penalties thing. Like, we're going to play air-free football. And if he's not playing air-free football, I don't think his leash is that long. I, I do agree. I don't think they would cut him after one game. I not after one game. Scenario, but... Right. I think in the scenario that you posed, I think we would see Dante Pettis become the primary punt returner in the next updated depth chart for the second preseason game. And some kind of shuffling a kick returner, whether that's Cleo Herbert or Tristan Ebner or Tyler Scott. Sure. Who knows? Yeah. But – and then I think that would be the first sign. Like, okay, we bumped you down the depth chart. You got one more chance. And after that, like, it's the third preseason game. It's the dress rehearsal. It's our last time to get going. Like, then that's really it. Like, and I agree with you. I think I, – and I think even in that situation, like, just Dante Pettis having a big game would, wouldn't really put Valus Jones Jr. roster spot at risk, I think. I think it would take somebody else – also having a big game, whether that's you know Simba Webster, I don't whether even know. I think those whether that's another receiver regardless. or whether that's you know Travis Homer, somebody. I think it would require somebody other than Dante Pettis, who we're not expecting to have a big game, to put Bayless Jones Jr. at risk. Because you have to also have to remember, I know it's already been a year, but being a draft pick carry some weight still, especially a third round pick that does carry some weight where they might not be as eager to cut <laughs> that cord, you know? So that's part of it as well. Um, bad look. I can't believe we just did 20 minutes. I have one last thing. No, I literally just texted somebody. Yep, this podcast Continue. is dead. We just did 10 minutes on Vanessa Sean Jr. Like this podcast is, is dead. We just did 10 yep. minutes on this guy. But the other thing you actually have to consider is like in this era of the NFL where offense is so easy to come by and you're, you're supposed to have what I believe could be a top 10 offense this year, 
what's the value of a good kick return? Like, is the value you would right. get out of keeping Vela Jones Jr. around as a kick returner, does that supersede the potential value you would get from a Dante Pettis if you believe the value you get from Dante Pettis is more as a receiver, right? Like, what is the true value of, an, of a kick returner? Right. Like, teams sure. don't go seeking for a kick returner in the draft. They don't go seeking for guys who can do this in free agency. Cordero Patterson's going to get, you know, is that's his only role in Atlanta. They don't even probably might not even keep him around, right? No. Like, he, I, he I was just good as running back last year. He he was okay, but you know Tyler Algier was getting a lot of snaps. It's just sure. I I just I don't know the value of it, and it's just, it's an interesting case study because like what is and it's an interesting case study because of this. Like the NFL is probably what one or two years away from eradicating kickoffs regardless you know what i mean or, or, or doing it a different point. format like the xfl sure like i don't know it's just it's i i it we're we're nearing the end of yeah. it was never a premier position like it, it was never something you sought out like if you had it it was a luxury Devin hester as much as we love him as all famer is a, it was a luxury he was a luxury to have right. and and he, he helped your yeah. team win in situations but the value of an nfl kick return at this point is just it's just not the same no i mean i think that's a really good point like pushing this forward to the future and trying to, you know, kind of think about that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's right, no more Vegas, really no more Vegas. We did, we yeah, did too no, much. No, no more Vegas Jones Jr. Um, I want to talk about one more thing about the depth chart yeah. and this time on the defensive side. I mean, talking about roster spots that are in danger, Travis Gibson and Kendall Vilder listed oh. last dead last mm. on the depth chart at their respective positions. <laughs> I mean, Kendall Vilder was a starter last year, mind you. He started games. Like, from the jump, he started games for you at the nickel. And sometimes at the outside. Like, and he's last on the step chart. Now, does that speak to the Bears' confidence in their corners and, you know, kind of the updated roster and the talent you've added? Yes, and that is obviously a good thing. But you do have two rookies also listed as the top backups for corner. So, it's just... It's not great for those guys. I wouldn't. I mean, Travis Gibson. We've been waiting forever and ever and ever, and I just don't think it's ever going to happen. I mean, he doesn't surprise me, but Kendall Vilder surprises me, being listed dead last on the depth chart at corner. Doesn't surprise me at all, actually. And, and here's why: uh, you know, last year you were in a position where you didn't have anybody else. Like you had a rookie in Kyler Gordon who you thought was going to be great, who had a little bit of a rocky start to the year. You needed a veteran presence there because that guy was going to start day one and you weren't going to be comfortable at that moment throwing Greg Stroman or Josh Blackwell or any of those guys out there week one. You just were going to take the guy who's been here for a couple years. He's done it. He's played against good competition. He knows sure. what to do. Has you were only going to win three games. He has experience, right? But now that you have your starting cornerback set, you have your Tyreek Stevenson, your, 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 uh, your upgraded uh, we'll call it Kyler Gordon and your Jalen Johnson. You can now keep guys you have you believe have a higher ceiling in the back. Like uh, if it is a Josh Michael who's actually been playing pretty well in, mm-hmm. in in training camp, or if it is you know a Greg Sherman, and then Kendall Vildor at that point is expendable because what's the point? Like sure, guys are going to go down, but you know. I don't know. Do you do you need to keep him around if you have enough faith in Josh Blackwell and Greg Stroman? This is a guy who has been in the league for you know three years now. He played eleven games last year and just hasn't really taken any steps. I mean, if anything, he's probably gone backwards. He had a decent like there was a couple times a really in his second point. year. Yeah, like he, he you, you regression 
is always the first thing to look at when when you think about a player getting you know in jeopardy being cut. You want players who you believe can progress into being better players, not players whose best years are behind them. And that, that might be the case for Kendall Vildor. So I don't know. Um, there's there's time for this, but sure. this is a player where Saturday is an important day for him. There's a lot of guys. Well, and on it's this one roster. of those things too, where and you know Shane McCoy kind of meant, alluded to it in the chat. This regime has no ties to guys like Kendall Wilder and Travis Gibson. It doesn't matter to them that they were a draft pick or anything. These guys, Matty Rufus and Ryan Poles, didn't draft either of those guys. They did, though, sign guys like Greg Stroman Jr. and Josh Blackwell and these guys off the street who they liked and who they were like, all right, let's bring this guy in. Let's give him a contract. They were stuck with Travis Gibson and Kendall Vildor, and they gave him a shot last year and said, all right, prove your value to us. We we don't really know what you're about. This is our valuation to us. Prove us wrong, and we'll give you a shot for a year. That's what this says to me, uh, and I think that's the right way to go about it, though. I think the right way is to stick to – you know, we talked about priors last week. Stick to your priors. Stick to right. your charts. And, you know, they're – you know, Matty Rufloos and Ryan Poles, their priors on these guys clearly weren't very good, and now they said, all right, you know, we brought in guys that we like, that we think we're better. We were stuck with you. And if you don't prove something to us, you're out of here. So that's just something that stuck out to me um, as well. Anything else, Kevin, that stuck out to you on this depth charter that you want to discuss? Um, I mean, I don't know if you want to make anything. Like, in, in, I don't know, since I don't have the updated depth chart with me, uh, is Darna Mooney still theoretically like wide receiver two over Chase Claypool? Is that, is that uh, the way that I'm reading this chart? Yeah. So it's like, it goes DJ Moore top and then, you know, all the offensive Darnell, linemen, yeah. Cole Komet, and then Darnell Mooney, Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, Kari Bosme, Chase Claypool start next column. So yeah, um, there's a bigger conversation. I want to have about Chase Claypool in a bit anyway, or we could just do that real quick before we do, we do the preseason next bit. Let's do it now before we go into the breakdown of the preseason game. Um, sure. You know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I don't know. It's kind of moot. You know, it's it's what were you calling it earlier? Uh, you're using a word for it, uh, just like uh, Kevin. I general. use a lot of words. Yeah, I know. Famously, um, I just using word for the death chart. Yeah, you were like, it's like it's like like some a synonym to moot, uh, kind of. Uh, what word were you using? It's like. I think we might have started with an S. You'll you'll figure it out. Chase Claypool is a player who's probably been the most polarizing player at training camp so far. Um, from what I've read, from what I've seen, there's people who are saying he's playing really well, but of course he's getting in altercations with players and Eddie Jackson. And today, Wednesday, he was getting into it with Tyreek Stevenson, who's a rookie. So it was just interesting for me. And he pulls up today with a hamstring injury. Had to pull up, exit practice, was still on field. He didn't get carted to the locker room, didn't walk to the locker room. He was still on the field, stayed on the field. Um, but I think he is right now the most polarizing figure on the Chicago Bears, especially because of the history and everyone wanting, and it's easy to go back and look at Chase Claypool. And if he fails, say, well, this is the, the, the problem is you could have had 32 overall. You traded him for this. You could have had that, right? It's, it's so easy to look at Chase Claypool and root against him because of what you could have had if, uh, if you didn't trade for him. And I get that, but you also have to look at the other side of it and understand that he only played, what, like six games here at the end of last year, a couple of them yeah. without Justin Fields, in a brand-new system, in a very complicated system under Luke Getze. He deserves – the opportunity to get a second chance here to produce numbers like he put up in Pittsburgh. But there's people that are more legitimately concerned about his off or not off the field, but his, his on the field issues and his temper because he's gotten into it with Eddie Jackson and Tyreek Stevenson. And 
I like, what are we doing here? Like, what? Like, I, come on. We're so, upset so about let me that? ask you this. I, are you OK? So you're not in the camp that's upset about that. No, I mean, this is ridiculous. Okay. This, like, this is what I want. Like, I, 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 this team last year, and it happened because there were three wins, but they lacked that competitive energy. They lacked that fire. And and at some point it goes too far, and I don't know the extent of these altercations, but I don't mind Chase Claypool setting a tone here on offense, especially because the last time we came on this podcast, right before the Yannick Ngakwe signing, we had been breaking down this idea that – the defense has been setting the tone and Justin Fields had to gather the offense and, and say, Hey, we got to match their energy. And now I get a guy like Chase Claypool running around, making plays and giving it, giving it to the defense. That's what I want. And I don't care if it gets a little hot, it gets a little tempered. If you played sports at any level, that's just what happens. Whether it's your teammates or not, if you're a competitor, you're going to get chippy. And I like that. That's fine. As long as he's not punching guys in the face, like Javon Wims, this is the kind of energy I want. So I just sure. get out of here with all this. Oh, Chase Claypool. He's, he's a cancer. He's a pro. Like people are starting those types of narratives. If things go wrong in that receiver room, they, everybody, Everybody wants somebody to blame and he's going to be sure. the easy he's the lowest hanging fruit on who to blame if things go south in that receiving room somehow um and i just i i i think he's primed for a positive year i think he's primed to have a season similar to his rookie season in, in pittsburgh you're looking at 700 800 yards with about 10 years um 10 years 10 touchdowns i don't have a problem with it jake do you no, I'm completely the same as you. I mean, I was going to bring up the point that you said about, uh, you know, Justin Fields calling out the offense, saying that the offense lacks juice and they're getting chirped by the defense every day in practice and that the offense just doesn't really have the same attitude or swagger, whatever you want to call it. And ever since that quote was said or that, you know, that kind of story was out there that, oh, the offense is, you know, they're, they're very – calm or whatever they don't have that fire that juice ever since that story you know chase claypool has gotten into two fights arguments whatever you want to call it isn't that exactly what you asked for and i know like the eddie jackson one kind of escalated to the point where ryan poles had to step in but i feel like step in was probably the wrong adjective to use because it was probably more of like step in as like all right guys like keep it moving not physically get between them and like shove them apart. Like I, that, that's how I envisioned it. You know, like I envisioned yeah. Ryan Poles saying, like, all right, guys, enough. Like, let's go. And then they went their separate ways. I don't envision Ryan Poles wrestling them off each other. Like, that's not <laughs> how I read that. Some people clearly did, though. But that's kind of what you want. You want somebody on this offense who isn't so complacent and isn't so like, okay, yeah, you know, guys, uh, next one, let's go. Or we made a good play. Okay, cool. Like, slap hands and let's keep it moving. Like, you want – that's exactly what you asked for – and another thing about Chase Claypool, and I know last week I said that, you know, I was a little concerned with the lack of juice, even from the reporters and people at camp, the lack of, you know, excitement over explosive plays and things like that. Mm -hmm. It seems like, though, when we do hear about these big plays in practice, half of them are Chase Claypool, it seems like. And even yeah. if they're not completions or touchdowns, it's Justin Fields took a deep shot to Chase Claypool and it, and it tipped off his hands. And he went to high point and he just barely missed it. It seems like almost every story you read about camp every day, at the end of every day, whatever you want to do, say, Chase Claypool is mentioned in some way as being involved in the offense, either vertically or in the red zone or with Justin Fields in some capacity. So I think that Chase Claypool's attitude, because here's the thing too, results always change the narrative. If they go out there in week one against the Packers and Chase Claypool has – 
five catches for 70, 60, 70 yards and a touchdown, nobody's going to care. Everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, that, you know, that fire that he brought in training camp, iron sharpens iron. That just made everyone better. That's where that's what happened. It's easy to say right now when we're so in this period of uncertainty before the first preseason game, even that, oh, classic Bears already dysfunction. It's not even the first preseason game. Yeah. It's easy to do that. But in week one, if they win or if Chase Claypool has a good game or both, then that's going to go away immediately. People are going to be like, oh, all right, yeah, that's exactly what you want. So I agree with you. I think that Chase Claypool, there has been, as far as I'm concerned, no negative press about Chase Claypool so far during camp, except, I guess, the injury concern. But we got a long way. We got a, a month till the first game. Yeah, that's uh, if that's the worst it gets from an injury standpoint, then we are absolutely thrilled. Uh, so the Bears play a game on Saturday. Bears play the Tennessee Titans at home, uh, and I wish I could go, but we will, again, Jake and I will be on the show on Saturday. If you want to listen to it, it's called The Better Angle on the Becca Girl Network. Uh, You should listen. It'll be fun. I'm sure I will, and we will, uh, spew some more Bears propaganda on that show as we do on a weekly basis. But they play the Titans, and we got news from Andy Rufus today after a couple weeks ago um, reports that preseason starters weren't going to play uh very often they will be playing game one and it's kind of weird the way he phrased it he said here and there i don't really know what that means like what is justin Fields I, gonna play the first drive and the third drive what the hell does that mean Just i tell interpret us that as tries. like blanket statement like i interpret yeah. it as some guys are only going to play one drive some guys are going to play two some guys are going to play a quarter that's how i interpret that okay yeah, so um, initial reactions to this, right? Because this is always a contentious topic because uh, and a polarizing topic because, well, it's preseason. Don't get injured. And I just have a, a little – just my initial thoughts on it uh, about just, you know, playing in the preseason. Like, if you're going to do it, like, it has to be 100%. Because I think there's people who say, okay, let, like, let him get the reps. Like, let him get out there and, and see a defense and let, let him, like, go through the motions of a game. To me, that doesn't achieve anything. Like, if you're already taking the risk of putting Justin Fields out there, putting the whole, you know, front unit out there, like, it should be a 100% game simulation. And I'm not saying that means Justin Fields has to be laying out and diving for the pylon, but he should be running and operating the offense at full 100% speed. You're go- you're- what are you achieving if you're taking it 80%? You're, you're, you're doing, you're not achieving anything. So I would either rather have Eberflus address it and say, Hey, we're not going to play them at all. Or, Hey, they're going to play. We're taking that risk. And there's probably about 27, 28 other teams that take this risk, but we're taking this risk and we're doing it hundred percent. We need to get reps in game speed. We only have three of these games now instead of four, even though most of the time stars didn't play the fourth one. Yada, yada, yada. The season's only a month away. We, you know, we, we like the way we look in practice, but we need game speed, real game speed. Take it 100%. So that if it's one drive on Sunday or Saturday, I want to see them go 100%, do a no huddle, no no plays off, no 80%, no lackadaisical bullshit, because I think we saw that last year. And yeah, they won the first game against the 49ers, and, and you, you can't make the argument that they came out flat because of the preseason when you could have made that argument a number of times in the Matt Nagy era. But I just think if you're going to do this, if you're going to play the starters, if you're going to already take the risk, you have to be all in on it and treat it like an actual game scenario, right? It's like the whole phrase, oh, you play how you practice. Well, this is the epitome of that, like the actual epitome of it. So 
That's my take on it. I don't know if that's a crazy take. I think there's people who hate that take. But if you hate it, then you should just implore them to not play at all. Yeah, I actually agree with you. And I think another part of that is the Bears are in a unique position where there's a lot of new people on this team, offense and defense collectively. I mean, just alone. We talked about Chase Claypool already, who had a half a season, a quarter of a season with this team last year. The offensive line, you have a ton of new, you have, a, you know, the left tackle is the same, but you have Tevin Jenkins who was here last year, but is learning a new position. You have Cody Whitehair back at center. So, we, I mean, I don't think Cody Whitehair forgot to, how to play center, but has to recalibrate, let's call it. You have a brand new right guard and Nate Davis, who also has been injured and on the sideline for a big portion of camp. And then you have a brand new rookie right tackle. So offensive line, you have a lot of guys that got to get familiar together and kind of gel there. You have two new running backs behind uh, Cleo Herbert and Deonta Foreman and Rashawn Johnson. And then you have brand new wide receiver and DJ Moore. You have a guy coming back from injury in Darnell Mooney who missed most of last year with injury and who's been rehabbing right. a lot. You have a, a rookie wide receiver again. You have Valus Jones Jr. You have to figure out what you have in him. You have a brand new tight end in Robert Tunyon, who's supposed to be your second tight end, and we expect some more two tight end sets there. So that's the offense alone. And on, the defense, <laughs> yeah. on the defense, you basically have everything new. You have two new defensive ends, two new defensive tackles who are also rookies that you have to rotate in there and figure out what's going on with them. You have a new starting corner in either Tyreek Stevens or Tyrell Smith, one of those guys. You have new, two new linebackers in the middle. You have a guy coming back from injury in Jack Sanborn. And then you have Eddie Jackson coming back from injury as well. So the Bears have a unique situation where just about everybody on this roster has to readjust or adjust for the first time to their position. So I agree with you. And I think that's why we're seeing the starters. I think it's going to be, I mean, you might get a quarter out of the line. I don't know about a quarter. I mean, depends on the length of the drive, but sure. Yeah. Uh, But I don't think you're just getting one series or one drive out of a lot of these guys. I think you're getting at least, a, a multiple series uh, out of a lot of these guys. I think the second game, you'll probably get the full first half. And then the third game, maybe you said everybody, but this is just the situation that the bears are in where just about every single starter is in a new, different, unique situa- situation that they have not been in before, or they weren't in last year. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, and that's exactly that. Like that is driving my line of thinking as well. Uh, when I, you know, like do the Kansas City Chiefs need to do what I was saying? No, obviously not because they, they're Kansas City Chiefs. But if you're the Chicago Bears and you haven't played game reps with all these new players in different roles and positions, then yeah, you, you just, you need the game speed and you got to take it 100%. So, I mean, I, I, I'm with you and who knows how long we'll see them. I, it's always like interchangeable, like obviously – Justin Fields could play two drives, but maybe Chase Claypool will play three or four, and 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 right. and you know Robert Tunyon will play. You know, it's just it, it's it's interchangeable, but obviously it's all dictated by how long Justin Fields will play because I think people that like that's the only player where if he right. gets injured, that's what it's everyone's like, gonna you fucking on. idiot. Like yeah. and 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 I'll have to say it right now. Like if Justin Fields were to go down on Saturday, I have no one to blame but myself for this argument. But like, how many teams realistically don't play like? Bears played the Chiefs last year and in, in the preseason. I think it was game one. Didn't Mahomes play that game? If I'm not – I believe he played that know. game. Like, I don't know. But it's just like it's, – it, it, it's, 
it's a weird argument. It happens every year. Should you play the starters? Should you not play the starters? Again, to me, it doesn't matter. It's just if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, you go all in. So you're either playing the starters 100% or you're not playing them at all. That it, it, It's binary, in my opinion. So this is what we're yep. getting out of it. All right, they're playing. Play them 100%. Let's uh, talk about some players you're kind of looking at for this game, some guys that you want to keep an eye on, both on the first team, but also down the roster, guys who might be fighting for a spot, or some guys that have just intrigued you. A couple names uh, pique your interest for who to look out for on Saturday? I mean, the obvious ones are all of the rookies. So, I mean, that's Tyler Scott, that's Tyrick Stevenson, that's Terrell Smith, that's Darnell Wright, obviously, that's Rashawn Johnson, uh, and then that's Skirvon Dexter and Zach Pickens as well because I want to see if we can get a clue of what the roles are going to be, especially when it comes to Tyler Scott, Gervon Dexter, and Zach Pickens. Those three especially, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what if we can get a feel for what their roles are going to be. I think it was Zach Pickens today said he's been working exclusively at nose tackle now too. So that'll be interesting. We'll see what how Tyler Scott's usage is as wide receiver because we kind of expect him to be wide receiver four or five off the jump. And, you know, can we see if we can get a feel for who has the edge as the other starting corner opposite of Jalen Johnson, uh, whether that's Terrell Smith or Tyreek Stevenson, because one of those guys is starting. So that's going to be something to watch as well. And then, of course, Darnell Wright, how he looks versus real NFL caliber starting defensive ends, defensive tackles uh, in his first game action, because also the Bears aren't doing joint practices leading up to this game. Which they've done in the past. Yeah, yeah. And so they're just going against each other. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's up to you. I'm neither here nor there on that. But it's the rookies for me. And to see if we can get a discernible evidence of what their role might be come the regular season. Yeah, and that's always, you know... The, the the ones you're looking forward to most, right? Just because you've never seen these guys before in real game situations. I think Tyler Scott's going to get a lot of time this week, and I'm, I think he's going to make a name for himself. He already kind of has through training camp just because of his deep ball ability. Um, now, he has been dealing with a, with a drop issue. The reports are out of camp that he's been getting open just fine, but he's been dropping a lot of balls. I'm not as worried about that, honestly. That That's, uh, to me, in my opinion, almost more fixable. So um, I, I think... Tyler Scott's going to be just fine there. But yeah, Gervon Dexter is a player that's received a lot of hype. Zach Pickens as well. Um, the other rookie that I'm really looking at who hasn't really gotten a lot of buzz at all, and this is a player I thought would get a ton of buzz in training camp uh, and, and is now just starting to get it because of something TJ Edwards said today. He said that he's really intrigued by Noah Sewell and said he's been playing well and he looks like he could be a really good player. And, you know, when he was initially drafted, this was one of the players we talked about is just like, a guy who you were willing to take a flyer on a little bit late and a player who has a really high ceiling. He needs development. He hadn't played the position for a long time. He kind of switched positions. He's playing linebacker now, but he's an extremely good athlete and he's listed as LB2 on that depth chart. And I'm just intrigued to see what he's able to do on Saturday. Um, This is a guy who can fly around the field, who can make plays in the pass game, but also get after it in the run game. And, just going to make a name for himself, I think. So Noah Sewell, uh, keep your keep your eye on him. Tyreek Stevenson, how long yeah. do you think he will play? Like, this, Is he getting the same amount of reps as Jalen Johnson or Kyler Gordon, or did they let him get a little bit more? I think you have to give him more than those guys uh, just because, A, he is a rookie, and this will be his first look against quarterbacks not named Justin Fields, P.J. Walker, or Nathan Peterman. So – that's important against different receivers 
against different everything, tight ends, whatever, different offense in general. And I think that's really important for a rookie, especially if you think that he has the lead to start outside corner. Like you have to give him as many different looks, as many, as much game action that isn't against his own teammates as possible. If you expect him to do the job and do it well come week one, I, I think, yeah, I think he's going to be out there. I mean, he seems, he, I think he's a guy who gets a, a quarter for sure. 1000%. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on Tyreek Stevenson. I think he's going to play a little bit more and I'm expecting big things from him. This is a player where I think is going to be really, really good and probably pretty yeah. important player for this team starting at outside cornerback opposite Jalen Johnson. A couple other guys down the roster. I want to keep an eye on. Obviously I mentioned the Dante Pettis versus Vailis Jones Jr. Quote unquote battle that we discussed earlier. I think it'll be interesting to watch both of those guys, but you know, I, I think it's going to be important. This is a guy who's obviously going to play the most amount of snaps at quarterback to, uh, on Saturday. It, it, it's going to be P.J. Walker. And, you know, it, it's important because whether you like it or not, like Justin Fields is simply prone to injury because of how much he he runs and how much he got hit last year because of the offensive line and all those different things. Like this is a guy who take care, takes care of his body really well. I go personally, I go to his, uh, his rehab guy and trainer that he sees throughout the season and they're great and they're going to do a great job this year of keeping him healthy. But just the nature of his play style, he's probably going to miss a couple games this year. It just, it, it just, it just probably will happen. They have a couple short weeks, right? They play two Thursday night games, which is, you know, both a, a blessing and a curse because you do get 10 days of rest after that, but you do have to sit on four days of rest um, for both of those weeks. So you might only get. 15 games out of Justin Fields and even if it is 16 right if you if he misses one game the Bears are going to be probably a 9 10 11 win team like like in 9 to 11 wins in that range maybe where you can't afford to lose a game like you can't like if you're in that playoff hunt right there you can't afford to lose a game so if PJ Walker is going to get legitimate game reps in important situations they're going to need to win and he's capable of leading teams to win he did in Carolina uh, he's got a relationship with DJ Moore so I'm just interested yeah. to see if PJ Walker has taken a couple steps since he's been in Chicago, they've worked with him well and just see what he can do because there's like, I was watching the hall of fame game and like, say what you want about Zach Wilson, but like, that's a good backup quarterback. Like, like he's not a starting right. quarterback yeah. in the NFL, but like if Aaron Rodgers were to go down, you're not writing off the jets uh, unless they're playing the chiefs or, or, or the bills, right? Like you're not going to write them off. And I would like to say the same about the bears. If Justin Fields were to go down and PJ Walker were the starting quarterback. So obviously um, I'm expecting to see good things for him. Yeah. I mean that like high level backups, having those types of players is really important. Uh, somebody that I am interested to see as well. Uh, just one more for me is Dominique Robinson. Somebody yeah. who was really raw, last year and who showed potential, especially in that first game. And then he kind of faded away, but somebody who has a lot of raw athleticism has a lot of raw talent, just had, hasn't really harnessed it yet. And who you would like to see take a step forward and maybe because end of the day, Yannick Ngakwe is on a one-year contract. Uh, you know, Walker is, I think on a two-year contract, a three-year contract. Two year sure. I'll check. So like they're not super tied to him long term. Like Dominic Robinson is a guy who Oh Demarcus so Walker. Who, Sorry, I thought you Demarcus Walker. Walker. Yeah. No, no, Demarcus Walker. Like if Dominic Robinson shows some more potential or at least consistency, that's somebody who you can look at and say, like, maybe okay, three years. But regardless, like Yeah, Yannick I know Yakway is a guy who only has a year. So let's just use that example. Like Hopefully you would like to see Dominic Robinson take a step enough of a step forward where you could say, 
okay, year three is when he'll take that real, real jump and we could count on him to be a starter. So he's somebody who I think is somebody to keep an eye on come Saturday as well. Yeah, and it's like, it's amazing what that signing of Yannick Ngakwe did now, or Yannick, right. Yannick, it's Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe, um, because Dominique Robinson, we talked about, has the potential to be a pretty solid piece and, you know, just wasn't up to the task as a consistent edge rusher uh, playing on a weekly basis, 17 games in a season after playing wide receiver basically in college two years prior, like he just wasn't ready for it, but as a rotational piece, a guy who can come in when a guy needs a rest and wreaks some havoc and get up to the quarterback, hell yeah. Uh, that's yeah. exactly what I want. So it, it's great to see how Yannick Ngakwe can change the complexion of the, this defensive front and give guys like uh, like Dominic Robinson the opportunity to make plays and not have the pressure of being out there every single snap and, and having to be relied on to, to, to get pressure on the quarterback. So, yes, Dominic Robinson, a name to keep an eye on, and I guess you can consider – like Dominic Robinson is not going to get cut – but like it's right. quote unquote a positional battle between him and Travis Gibson. And I think Travis Gibson at this point is probably next, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. If uh, unless he has but... an unreal game on Saturday or in the or like a couple in the preseason. Unless he yeah. just balls out this preseason. Yeah, I agree. He's probably this is Rasheem Green's team now, Travis Gibson. <laughs> you better watch out, buddy. Um, one other guy. I guess just to keep an eye on, not like anyone's actually going to keep an eye on this guy because he plays offensive line, but Jatir Carter uh, has been playing pretty well in replacement of Nate Davis because that guy just has not been on the field at all in training camp, which is uh, an issue in itself. But Jatir Carter uh, will get reps on Saturday. We'll probably get a lot of them. and It'll just be interesting to see how he holds up because at this point, Jake, you might be in a scenario where, hey, that's your week one uh, right guard at this moment. Yeah. I mean, that that there's fear. Well, I think you would assume that maybe a Lucas Patrick, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, Lucas Patrick is is listed as the backup center uh, on the depth chart, which is like, it's just just like hard for him because he plays both positions, but like. Hard to say. I don't know. It's hard to say. So. No, I think Uh, those are the guys I'm looking out for, man. I'm uh, I'm excited. All right. uh, Before we wrap up, uh, predict the line for Justin Fields. Like, do, 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 am I basing it off whatever how you think many is gonna drives happen. I think whatever, he's going to play? Whatever you think is going to happen. Your own personal opinion of what you think is going to happen. All right, 64 yards, 7 for 9, 1 touchdown. He'll play two okay. drives. I think that's two fair. Drives. They're going to run like the that. ball a lot, and he'll rush for like 25 yards. That's sure, that yeah. So, All right, so, I like that. I like um, that. Uh, mine wouldn't be too different. I don't have exact numbers. That's why I put you on the spot. But I, I would be happy with that. Um, All right. Last, last thing. You said you had something to say to oh, me yeah. earlier. You said you had something for the podcast, yeah. so let's let's hear it. As I did our, text you. I, I texted you earlier. What did I say? What I, I said, I said, I'm going to say earlier, something you were very vague. You were vague. Tonight. You just said you had something to I was, say. I, I did have something to say. So I'm sitting here last night. I'm sitting in bed. I'm watching Hard Knocks. Uh, you're not a Hard Knocks guy, right? You didn't watch no, last I'm night? Out. I'm out on you, Hard you, you should be it. This is no a interest. good season. Zero this is a interest. good season. Don't you're, care. You're, oh, you're, I, I, I don't, were you going to say I'm like soft for not watching Hard Knocks? Um, no, I didn't say you're soft. What did I say you're soft? <laughs> no, I was going to say, were you going to? And no. You no, that's such a stupid thing to say. Yeah, you're soft for not watching a TV show. Anyway. Get on with it. So I'm, so I'm sitting in my bed watching Hard Knocks. I'm loving it. And I'm kind of coming to this realization as I'm watching Hard Knocks, which is obviously featured uh, – the New York Jets are featured, and Aaron Rodgers is like – the focal point of the show and is on there 80% of it. It's been one episode. And I kind of came to this, like, 
I think I gotta like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like, I think he's kind of cool. Like, I don't hate Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't know if that's a spicy sure. take, but like, maybe it's just because he's gone now. Like, if he were a Green Bay Packer, would it be right. saying this? Probably not. But after watching the show, he comes off like a really cool guy on the show, and like, I think I gotta like him. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but this is where we are. So, you are not the first person that I've heard say this. That like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, like. Kind of likable after one episode, of course, obviously. And that, you know, that's kind of how you have to frame this. But like, I think a big part of it is you're a tortured Bears fan who does not have to deal with seeing this guy twice a year stunt on your team. And like, you know, I I think it's, that's definitely part of it. I still think he's a huge weirdo, but there was never like, like he's, he definitely has traits that are likable. Like he definitely has traits of his personality and obviously he's a baller football player he's a really really good football player but i think there's parts of him that are likable as well so i think i mean that's why he's on you know in commercials and that's why he's on pat mcafee show because he has a personality and people do gravitate towards it in some way so i don't think that's that spicy i was expecting something way crazier especially given your history so all right what did you what did you, what what was going through your mind of what i was I, I don't know because the way the way you phrased it was just so like i'm gonna say something very spicy tonight not even related to the bears so i had no idea if this was even gonna be football related to be honest <laughs> with you so you know whatever i, I was a little uh <laughs> little uh little disappointed in that spicy take but uh, that's I, a pretty for a bears fan like me and the things that i've said about aaron Rodgers on this podcast before that's a spicy thing to say find, find a new slant kevin uh all right Fuck this man. has been bears nation podcast we will be back next week to break down what we saw on saturday and preview what we will hopefully see in the dress rehearsal or whatever you want to call it second game before the third game where we probably won't see anybody. So tune in next week. We'll be back to break down what we saw Saturday against the Titans and then preview what we're going to see the following weekend and the second preseason game. So until then, this has been Bears Nation podcast brought to you by ONTAP Sportsnet. Reminder to go to ONTAP Sportsnet and go there for all your Chicago sports content, including for this podcast. And for myself, for Kevin Lapka, for ONTAP Sportsnet, This has been Bears Nation Podcast. We will see you next week. And until then, bear down. Bear down.